Bienvenidos. Welcome back to Ghostbusters Minute. Ghostbusters Minute is the fan podcast that recaps and overanalyzes the classic 1984 film Ghostbusters. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And we are here to bring you minute number 13 of Ghostbusters. Now, in the last minute, minute 12, it ended with Peter Venkman just hearing that Egon thinks they can catch and hold a ghost. He calls him Spangs and says, Spangs, are you serious? And at minute number 13, Egon responds, I'm always serious. At 13 minutes, 5 seconds, Vegan. Vinkman to Vigon. Vigon the Carpathian. <laughs> 13 minutes, 5 seconds. Vinkman apologizes for some of the things he has said about Egon and hands him a Nestle Crunch bar and tells him, you've heard it. At 13 minutes, 15 seconds, the Ghostbusters walk back into their campus offices, room 205A, and find Dean Yeager, played by Jordan Chaney, cleaning out the office. At 13 minutes, 25 seconds, Vinkman tells Dean Yeager that he suspects that they are being moved to better offices on campus. Dean Yeager confirms that they are not, and that the Board of Regents has canceled their grants and is moving them off campus. At 13 minutes, 35 seconds, Yeager continues to strip down the professors. At 13 minutes, 45 seconds, Venkman responds with, but the kids love us. At 13 minutes, 50 seconds, Dean Yeager responds that the school believes that the purpose of science is to serve mankind. He states that he believes Venkman thinks that science is a hustle and a dodge. He goes on further to strip down any credentials from Venkman's studies. And thus ends minute number 13 of Ghostbusters. So in this scene, we kind of start to get at more of the heart of the conflict that spurs on what Ghostbusters is, at least the first half of the movie. Well, yeah. And it kind of goes on to the second half of the movie. The second half of the movie really has the, that's the lore dump in the movie, the whole thing about Evo Shandor and Gozar right. and uh, the Keymaster and Gatekeeper and all that stuff. That's that's all present in the second half of the film. The first half of this film is the inklings of what's going to be a small business starting up, and they're finding their first push against an elitist system, which is uh, kind of the premise of a lot of movies that were released in the 80s. You know, you find, mm-hmm. like, the, the camp counselors fighting against the camp of rich kids or that the, are going to uh, come in. country club or the country, yeah, country club's yeah. buying the goondocks uh, and is going to knock go. it down and build a, a, a golf course there, and you know, the kids got to fight back. you got to fight back to save the teen youth center and have a dance-off or something like that. <laughs> There's a great South Park episode about that where the— the boys go to Aspen, Colorado, mm-hmm. and they're going to knock down this teen center, and the teens are trying to get them to be in a ski competition, and they're like, we don't care. We don't care about your stupid, stupid teen center, and they get drawn into it. It's, <laughs> it's like it's a throwback to the 80s. It's a really funny yeah. episode. It's my favorite episode. So, um, so just a little bit of trivia about this. The interiors and exteriors actually were shot on the, co- the campus of Columbia University with the agreement that the university was never named in the movie. I think we spoke about this on an earlier episode. I think so, yeah. The fans have kind of deemed this Weaver University because Weaver Hall is shown. Yeah. Well, I think it was Havenmeyer Hall actually was the uh, math department where they shot the exteriors for okay. that. But they did actually shoot interiors, which is great because uh, they didn't have to do it in a studio. Yeah. Uh, it again has that authentic lived in New York feel we talk mm-hmm. about. It looks like you know, it looks like a lot of college campuses that I went to in the early two thousands and late nineties. Yeah. You know, it's still kind of uh it's like, wow, you guys built this back in the sixties and you really haven't done a whole lot of renovations to it. In fact, no. the Maryland Monroe post are still up on the wall. But so. your football stadium is Oh, the football stadium is Sim Magnifique. Put your money where okay. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> what what have you gotten out of this minute? Well, okay, um let's see, I've actually got most of my notes are about uh deleted scenes that mm. uh Precede and proceed. Yeah. Proceed and what would come before Antecede. and 
They they take place during the scene. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Most of my notes are about some deleted scenes that come right before and right after this scene. Um, One of them is the three guys coming. They're back in the university. They're coming down the steps back to their office. And Venkman is talking about how uh, he thinks he's going to get the Nobel Prize for catching a ghost. And as he's saying that, this girl walks up the stairs past him and he says, don't say hello, Leslie. And um, as they make their way around the corner into their office, Ray starts saying that it's going to be him and Spangler who are going to be taking home any Nobel Prize or anything like that because they're the ones who are going to be coming up with all the equipment. Um, And then right after that, Venkman says hello to a janitor. And right as they go through the door with their names etched on it, we see that that janitor is actually etching their names off. That's a pretty so, good setup to the scene. Yeah, and all the while Egon is eating his uh, candy bar that he gave him. No, it's a, it's a really good setup. I think it's an important scene. Again, it drives home the playboy that Peter thinks he is. And Ray makes reference to all this equipment that they're going to build. So right. they're, he's letting the audience know there's going to be a lot of tech wear coming up that you're going to see. In the movie... They suddenly have proton packs. It just kind of shows up out of nowhere. And they have the Ecto-1 and their uniforms and everything like that, which it's it's Ghostbusters, so I let it slide. I don't need Batman Begins. I don't need to be told where everything is coming from. Mm-hmm. But having this little line in there would have taken care of all that. You know it's coming at that point. You know it's, it's not like these guys point. who show up with three unlicensed nuclear accelerators mm-hmm. on their back. Yeah. yeah, there you go. And, you know, we, we just got this scene with the library ghost. We got all the comical stuff after that here they are coming down the stairs a bunch of funny stuff going on and all of a sudden their names are being etched off the door like what is about to happen sure enough dean yeager dean yeager dean yeager Yeager. everything i hate about the universe (laughs) you know i used to think that that was the same actor uh from princess bride the guy performing the wedding, love and marriage. Oh, they look a lot alike. They look a lot alike. I, I, it's not the same guy, but I, used, I was convinced of that when I was a little kid. So, yeah. um, again, great casting. Gene Nager really chews on some scenery when he's stripping down Peter Venkman. He does. There was actually an earlier draft of the script where Venkman was uh, addressing the board of regents and asking for more grants. And he makes a point to say that Dean Yeager had been nominated for the Nobel Prize or some some kind of prize, but really puts emphasis on the fact that he didn't get it. Right. He didn't win, and Venkman really wants to just drive that home. Now, I, I couldn't begin to remember all the highfalutin words that Dean Yeager uses to describe uh, the, the charade that words. is, yeah, the, the charade that is Peter Venkman's uh, credibility. But you know, he he talks about how scientists are to push the humanities, and Peter Venkman sees it as a dodge, a hustle. And in fact, Peter mm-hmm. Venkman goes, "I see." That's his response mm-hmm. because Dean Yeager pinned him to a wall there, and he's got no recourse. No, Dean Yeager's the most fearless character in this whole movie. He doesn't <laughs> care about them at all. He's sitting there like, "This is a bunch of hooey fooey baloney here." Yeah, you know, this is, uh, <laughs> yeah, this is this is the uh, the Reiki therapy to brain surgery. I would have hated to have seen, I would have hated to have seen him and Walter Peck team up later yeah. on. I think that would have been a just powerhouse that could have potentially cleaned up. You know, just. It's funny because Peck has a lot of hubris. Well, he's he's confident that he's right, but he's not. Dean Yeager mm-hmm. is right. I mean, ultimately, maybe he's not because their studies do get them somewhere, you know. But at the same time, do they have any place in academia? I don't know. Yeah, at that point, he uh-huh. was correct. They didn't have anything. Right. So, well, up until, you know, the library ghost, which had just happened. Um, so earlier on, Peter Venkman hands Egon a Nestle Crunch bar. And he says, you... Yeah. You've earned this. Mm-hmm. It's very funny. And yeah, Ray's just hilarious. kind of sitting there like looking at him like, like kind of laughing. <laughs> well, first of all, Nestle Crunch Bars are delicious. 
They're amazing. I love them. Uh, but secondly, for some reason, it's very synonymous with the 80s for me, the Nestle Crunch Bar. What's that? I don't know. I remember seeing a lot of commercials for Nestle Crunch when I was a kid, or there was like this battle between like Nestle's Crunch and maybe like Hershey's, just regular chocolate bar in my mind, or two competing brands <laughs> that I, I have. There's a lot of back and forth in my mind. I like both of them just the same. I've never met a candy bar I couldn't eat, but... Um, it's really funny going back and watching this. For some reason, I always thought it was like a Zagnut or something like that, which I think is from Beetlejuice. For but some reason, I always thought it was a Baby Ruth. It I kind of looked at, at it today, the, and I, I don't know where, where did we put all that together. At the angle, it kind of looks like a Baby Ruth. Yeah, uh, it's got it, the, the packaging has like the Starburst logo on it, not actual Starburst, the candy, but a Starburst kind of like logo, like hey, twenty five percent fat yeah. less or whatever, and it kind of makes it look at like the angle he's holding it, kind of like a Baby Ruth. But so saying not. at the beginning of the podcast, over analyzing, mm-hmm. this is it. Absolutely, <laughs> this is when we do that. It. So whenever the room is being cleared out and all their equipment's being taken away, a guy walks out. Uh, I think he's rolling the AVL machine out, and he yeah. has headphones on. And you can barely hear what it is, but I looked into it, and it's I Can Wait Forever by Air Supply. Which, really? Yeah. Which was off the Ghostbusters soundtrack. That's right. right. Yeah. And never knew where that could have been, but that's that's where it is. So he's rolling the, the orange AVL machine yes. out. Now, we need to make note there are two AVL machines, at least I believe, in that mm-hmm. situation. Uh, earlier when we saw Peter Venkman pulling the cards out, there was an AVL machine seen over his shoulder. And then yeah. this guy is rolling out the orange AVL machine, which is also seen on reverse shots of the male student and female student, uh, Jennifer. Uh, there's a scene later where Peter Venkman sits down at the table next to her after the male student has just exited. And he says something to her like, you're going to get a lot of that because of your special abilities. Yeah. And the orange AVL machine is seen right behind him. So, so that's what that is. Yeah, we were making notes about this the other night. Right. That, um, the AVL machine is a uh, type of machine that shoots ink into your body whenever you get uh, right. scans yeah. and x-rays so they can see any sort of abnormalities in your body. Yeah. Uh, but whenever I saw that, I-, I was thinking back on some notes I had read about the AVL machine, and there's actually two in there. So I'm thinking they probably must have gone by a medical supply facility or something Who like knows? that. Or maybe they're on the campus, and they were like, oh, what do you guys have sitting around that's yeah. not working, that's broken? We, we can, can repurpose this. Yeah. But the AVL machine also, it kind of looked like this old, um, oh, God, what is it called? A CED player? Have you ever seen mm-hmm. those? No, I don't so know. So w- the first home video format was called CED, and it was this giant like disc that kind of looked like an LP, and there were these huge cartridges. And I have one around here somewhere. Yeah, I think I it's think in my back room. One. Yeah, I think I used to have like The Hobbit on it or Apocalypse Now, and I think you and I tried to watch them one time, and it was like you had it was like an eight track. You couldn't fast forward or rewind. You had to flip it over. The image was completely crappy. Yeah. But uh, anyway, it looks like a CED player to me, which is funny because there's probably a copy of Ghostbusters out there on CED. Yeah. In fact, now that I'm saying this, I want to search eBay and see if I can find one Seriously. just to have it and not watch just it. Just to have it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um. Yeah, so I think, wasn't there another deleted scene? There is. It's right afterwards. Uh, <clears throat> right whenever Dean Yeager stands up and says, you have no place in this university, they cut to Ray and Peter outside on the campus just kind of, you know, talking about where they stand. Right. But before that uh, was an extension of that scene. And Peter says that, uh, oh no, Dean Yeager tells them that they have to go. And Egon says, does this include Dr. Stance and myself? To mm-hmm. which Yeager says, yep, get out. So uh, Do you think they're guilty by association? I guess so, man. This is kind of unfair. They, they're they legitimate. You know, it's Peter. We've talked about how there were several universities with actual paranormal departments, but I'm not sure, like, if, you know, you get into a funding crunch and you're the dean of the university, you kind of got to look at some stuff that's going to yeah, get cut. what can get cut. Yeah. So, anyway, as part of that scene, uh, Ray actually takes Peter and throws him up against the wall and says, you said that you floored him at the regents meeting, to which Peter says, Ray, I'm sorry. So, <laughs> that actually, you know, it kind of connects with the... Um, scene that was in one of the drafts of the screenplay I was talking right. about where Peter is trying to convince the Board of Regents to give them extra funding. Uh, so anyway, Peter says that he can't help but laugh. They did this to Galileo. 
Dean Yeager tells him, hey, it could be worse. And I can't remember the philosopher that he mentions, but uh, he tells him that they actually put his head on a stake. And Peter says, ouch, and that's the end of the scene. Yeah. So The scene kind of goes out with a whimper, but I think it's kind of supposed to. Because mm-hmm. this is at their lowest, well, is this at their lowest moment? It might be at their lowest moment before they die. This is Well, this is the long, dark night of the soul they have to go through to yeah. find their way of becoming the Ghostbusters. They really have to have the floor kicked out from underneath them. And, and that, that's, you know, a classic movie thing, too, is you continue to pull the floor out from underneath your character, so they got to use their wits to get out of something. And uh, this is the lowest moment, I guess, in the movie for them where they really say, like, let's go into business for ourselves. Like, this is the setup to it. Yeah. This is what had to push them into doing that, which I think we get into in the next minute. We will get into that in the next minute and a little bit more of the political philosophy behind Ghostbusters, which uh, might kind of surprise you. Yeah, there's some really interesting stuff. Yes, very interesting stuff going on. So do you have anything else here for Minute 13? I don't. I don't either. I think this is a a pretty funny minute. I think that Dean Yeager does some great uh, scenery chewing. Chewing on some scenery. I guess is the way to say it. That guy, you can tell he was really having a lot of fun with that. Yeah, he's uh, memorable. But yeah, definitely um, tune in tomorrow to uh, hear about a different angle, a different approach uh, a different way of seeing this movie because it's very, very, very interesting stuff. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. So, Absolutely. With that said Well, I'm going to go ahead and take us out then. So I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. Thank you so much for joining us today and we want to remind you that death is but a door, time a window. We'll be back. Ghostbusters Minute is a fan-supported podcast. To become a supporter, visit us on Patreon at patreon.com slash gbminute. You can also find us on social media at facebook.com slash ghostbustersminute, twitter.com slash gbminute, Instagram at ghostbustersminute, and visit our website at ghostbustersminute.com, where you can find merchandise such as t-shirts, stickers, and free balloons for the kids. Balloons subject to not being free, nor real. Our theme song is Ectoplasm by Audionautics, which is licensed under the Creative Commons Attributions License.